Hey everyone, before we begin this episode, we just want to be able to come out and admit some technical difficulties that we had in producing this episode. As it goes with technology, whether you're in the classroom or in our setting trying to help integrate technology, it can certainly have its difficulties and it can get to all of us. We had some issues with websites not being available and our own technical errors. We just want you to know that you are not alone with your technology trials and tribulations. It happens to all of us. But we know it's worth it in the end, so we roll with it and continue on. Now, on to MLTI's Teaching with Tech. Welcome all, you're listening to the MLTI 2.0 podcast, Teaching with Tech. We are your hosts, MLTI Ambassadors. We are here to support Maine educators by building a network focused on authentic voices, experiences, and technology integration. Welcome back to Teaching with Tech. We are in the second episode of the month for February, even though, honestly, at the time of this recording, it's now officially March, but it was a short month with vacation built in, so here we are. For this episode, we are still discussing STEAM-based learning. However, we will get into ideas and suggestions about how to build up lessons to incorporate STEAM elements and provide some examples that we have either done ourselves or know that fellow teachers have done. For this episode, I am again your host, Rob Dominic, and I'm joined by Nicole Krod. And we have another ambassador joining us today, and that is Yu Hong Sun. Hello, Yu Hong. How about you introduce yourself for everyone? Hi, I'm Yu Hong Sun. I'm one of the MLTI 2.0 ambassadors. Prior to this, I taught computer science and the Chinese language at the Noble High School for 18 years. Awesome. That's great. We're really happy to have you here. And honestly, I'm personally excited to hear your insight into STEAM learning as well. So our goal here today is to be able to help listeners by discussing entry points into uh, to incorporate STEAM learning and some ideas of how to build up a lesson with STEAM and even to throw out some examples and resources that others could investigate or run with themselves. So to get us started here, Nicole, what do you have there for STEAM learning? What's kind of your, your go-to piece about starting it or how to get involved and incorporate it? Absolutely. I would say anytime you can use what you have, that's what we have to do as educators, especially in this crazy world that we live in today. And um, a lot of the times I like to flip the script. So it, it could be as simple as maybe like you give kids normally a worksheet and you have, you know, maybe they're watching a video or something and you, instead of doing that, you're having them create the worksheet. Um, I have students, you know, um, we talked about gamification two episodes and kids playing games and things like that. Instead of having them play games, have them create the game. Um, and there's just a lot of pieces with the process that they can incorporate there. And it just makes it makes it so that students have voice and choice and they're excited about it, engaged. And it really turns that kind of just plain old lesson into more of that STEAM process. Yeah, I, I like that point too, because I think it really highlights the variety that can come with STEAM learning, that you can either go like big, you know, and it can seem intimidating, but it doesn't have to be. Or you can go like those, yeah, those simple things, you know, where you're just getting kids active and approaching things from a different perspective or a different way. Um, whereas you could build up 
to later on you could have some grand project where they're incorporating all these these steam elements and they're using that design thinking process or the engineering process and reiterating their design and prototyping something like that or yeah you can go you can go something that you just gave an example it reminds me of an elementary example that comes to mind um for me where you know if kids are doing a unit on measurement Right? They're learning how to measure with a ruler or a yardstick or a meter stick and finding the conversions, you know, learning about all that, the metric system. Um, you know, it, you can get them a little bit more hands-on. You can incorporate the classic paper airplane model where they're, they're making paper airplanes and then they're throwing it and then they're measuring the distance. And then maybe they're doing a little bit of the iterative process and changing their design a little bit to see if it affects anything. So they're learning the same concept. They're learning that a measurement piece, but they're doing it with an activity, a little bit of hands-on way that gets them building and doing activities. Absolutely. I think, you know, you bring up a couple good points as far as, you know, start where you're at. It does not have to be this big, huge thing. And then building on it, right? Like that's my favorite part is like you do little pieces all throughout the year. And then by the end of the year, your kids are these independent learners that can just really knock out a project. And they're expecting that. They're excited about like, well, I'm, I'm going to be able to make this choice and, and figure out, you know, where this is in my learning. Um, and it's just really exciting. So the other thought too is like any time that you can incorporate other um, curriculum. So if you've got like a social studies concept, even if it's a small part of it that you can incorporate into what you're doing, or if it's you're pulling in the math elements with the paper airplanes, you're pulling in all kinds of things there, right? So combining those things and making those real world experiences is what's giving the kids that excitement. And again, that steam process. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, you know, kind of cross-curricular idea. Just drawing in a little bit, right? And that I think that's a good starting point for a lot of people out there. If they're feeling like STEAM seems too too big of a process and too intimidating of a piece, just start with a little bit. Like, you can you can draw in another subject, just one other piece. There's math and art. There's, there's a lot of possibilities of combining those two, you know, tessellation-type projects or, you know, or finding design throughout the building, um, right? There, there's different ways of... of overlap there and it doesn't have to be some grandiose project it can just be those little bits along the way to get the students thinking differently as you mentioned which is i think is a great point um i know selfishly um you know i love getting kids involved in that hands-on that steam learning um and that experience earlier on um i think it really helps as a middle school math teacher to have them kind of approach math from a different perspective and a different way and i can help build with that and it's not like everything i would do involves that it's just it's it's always an option and it's a way to mix things up and it's a way to approach it differently when things are needed that way um and then i know just for the state of maine for the maine listeners out here right that's our target audience is that you know the the aerospace industry is becoming a big booming piece here in the state um they're opening it up they're making a, a space complex in the cumberland county um there are numerous companies making rocket launches throughout the state um, they found that Maine is a, a great place for lower polar orbit satellites. Um, so there's a lot of industries looking to get into the state for that very reason. Um, and I think it's a great resource and a great opportunity for both jobs and educational aspects for the state. Um, and little known fact here, um, you know, I'm a member of the uh, American Institute for Aeronautics and uh, Aerospace and Aeronautics. And 
um, one of the the points that they come up in that group is that Maine has uh, the number two the number two resource uh, export from Maine is aircraft engines and parts um, after of course seafood. So the number two most valuable resource are aircraft engines and parts that come from Maine um, outside of seafood. From Maine, that's really interesting. Wow. Right? Yeah. L- little known fact, you know, like our, our, you know, sometimes we think about little Maine tucked away, kind of away from a lot of things. Um, it, it's a, it's a actually pretty big player as far as those pieces go in the aeronautical and aerospace industry, which is really cool to be able to have those opportunities. Yeah. So to be able to talk a little bit more too, uh, Yu Hong has some great experience with what she did with her students at Noble High School. Um, so Yu Hong, I'd love for you to jump in at this point and then you can kind of explain what you did with your students and what went on with that? Yes, Bob. I started to develop STEM concepts in an extracurricular club in 2015 by engaging my students to participate in the Samsung Software Tomorrow contest. Samsung Software Tomorrow is an annual contest to challenge students from 6th to 12th grades to solve local issues by using science, technology, and engineering, arts, and math. It consists of four phases. That year, my team won phase one and became one of the five state finalists and earned two Samsung tablets. The students were inspired by their achievements and the tangible rewards. And I saw it as a great opportunity for my students to apply STEAM knowledge and skills to solve a real-world problem. Since 2015, I have coached my students in the contest every year. And in, and in the 2017 and 2018 school year, we really did very well and we advanced to phase three. In 2016, there was a severe drought in southern Maine, and suddenly a lot of manganese appeared in the Samford River, which was where our water came from. The manganese contaminated our water supply and made our water not safe to drink. As community members, my students felt that they should use their STEAM knowledge and skills to help solve the problem and make our water safe to drink. They decided to use this project for the Samsung contest. And uh, our team won first place in Maine and also became one of the top 10 national finalists. We earned $50,000 Samsung technology. WCSH6 reported our students' achievements on their 207 program. This achievement was so inspiring that more and more students became interested in the Samsung projects because they saw the relevance and they were so excited about using their own STEAM knowledge and skills to solve the pressing issues in their own community. Yuhong, is that a contest that anybody can participate in? Yes. That's awesome. And so we'll put some more, st- more information in our show notes about that? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Samsung Solve for Tomorrow contest. That sounds amazing, honestly. I mean, that that's kind of the culmination right there that we were just talking about. That's what things can build up to in the end. You know, that may not be possible in the, you know, 
the, the, the time constraints in your everyday classroom. But as you build the culture and you build that process with students, you know, it's a continuum. You can get to that point with high schoolers of, of really participating in those high level contests because um, they have the background and the skills along the way. That's a, that's amazing. Yuhong. Well done. That's really cool. Um, yeah. So please feel free to check that out some more. We'll have a link in the show notes um, as well as just searching, you know, Samsung Sulfur Tomorrow contest to find more information. All right. So to hear a little bit more about examples in the field. We have Nicole interviewing Sandy Bickford from Mount Ararat Middle School, where she'll be able to touch on what she does as far as STEAM learning projects go in her classroom. Here with Sandy Bickford from Mount Ararat Middle School, and we're just going to start off if you would start telling us about yourself and what you teach and maybe how you got here. Well, I knew I wanted to teach, so I thought I was going to be special ed, but I took a class my senior year in high school, and I made a table for my mom, and the teachers worked on me, worked on me, recruited me for industrial arts education. So that's kind of what my background is. I went to school. I was in the industrial arts program, and that's what I started teaching. It was called industrial arts, and then it was called technology education or technical education, and now we call it STEM or STEAM here at, at MAO. And so you've really been doing this your entire career. I have. I mean, I was I started off teaching, and then I stayed home for a while with my kids, and then I came back to it. That's incredible. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit more about the classes that you teach here? Yeah. Uh, so I, I teach 6th, um, 7th, and 8th grade students. And in 6th grade, we do a lot of, like, problem solving. We do challenges a lot of collaboration, chance to use their hands, building, making things. Not necessarily so much the tool stuff, but um, where they have to like make something. That's when they get introduced to the 3D printing, and they all get to design and create whatever they want. That's yeah. school appropriate, obviously. They really love that, so that's something that's that's really big. So at sixth grade level, it sounds like it's really more about the process of yes, getting that intro down. and getting them working together. Seventh grade, we don't really do group projects. They each get to make their own CO2 race car so they get to you know design and then create and they get to use machines and tools like that and then they race them and also they also have to design awards for the winners and design contest as well as of the fastest car and then in eighth grade there's three different curriculum there's the wind turbines that they learn about wind energy how to create turbines they have to test it's more of the engineering and then the science a lot of that and then with a chance to go to the state can win challenge, which is starting back up again this year. And they also, we did a Rube Goldberg, just kind of a problem solving again and creating, and it's all group stuff. And then the last quarter, they'll be doing like a pre-engineering. So we'll be doing some robotics, some Arduino, just stuff like that. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, sounds like a lot of good opportunities for our students. Oh, coding too from seventh grade. Nice. <laughs> yeah, a lot. Yeah, and, you have a lot in there. And eighth yeah. grade, actually, there's coding for STEM or STEAM. Okay, great. Awesome. As well. So, how would you describe what STEM or STEAM is to someone that the concept might be new? Well, I think that they kind of go well together because when you're creating something, I mean, it's it can be very artistic, and it can also be mechanical, I guess. So, I mean, I think because of what... I think it's always kind of been STEAM, really, even though it's been called STEM and then art separate, they kind of go well together, probably more so in my classes than maybe in art. I think I incorporate arts more than I think the arts incorporate STEM. 
Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you're doing a lot with the process of things Mm -hmm. and really, really teaching kids how to critically think about this design process. Right. And I think, too, that they're learning how important that the the planning actually is because things don't come out as well if they haven't planned. And that's kind of when I get feedback from the kids on their reflection. A lot of them say, we should have planned better. We should have taken that time that you gave us and planned, tried different things, tested out things before the challenge actually began. Well, I think that's the hardest thing to teach kids, too, Mm -hmm. is like when you want them to edit like a paper, Mm -hmm. I don't want to go back and do that, but them actually realizing that they're doing it and and that it's needed is great. What do you see in your classes that maybe, like the benefits per se, that maybe other teachers might not see in their classes? Well, I think the fact that they get to do hands-on things, the kids love that. And it gives them kind of a break from always pencil paper. Not that they don't use pencil paper, but it's it's they get to actually see that the pencil paper stuff go into actually making something. I think they really like that. I think we get more opportunities to just like have kind of fun Challenges like we don't really have those, you know, state mandated testing coming up. So we get to have, I think, a little bit more fun and try different things. I love the idea that the kids walk away and they know how to use like the big industrial tools. I I think that's cool. Like I wish I had had that opportunity. Yeah. So you touched on Kidwind before. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit more about your involvement and maybe what that is really yep. at the heart of it? Yep. We haven't had a challenge since 2019. That was the last one, and those kids are now seniors in high school. So it doesn't sound like that long away, but when you think that they were in eighth grade and now they're seniors, yeah. that is a long time ago. The fellow that used to really kind of get things going, he retired in 2020. Mm-hmm. He was like done. But I contacted him this year and said, I'd like to bring it back. Can, would you help me? And he's and so he's really been like going. Like yeah. he's been doing a lot of the, nice. the legwork and stuff. And we we're originally going to have it here in Topsom at the library in their co- in their community room. And then he ended up saying it thought it was a little small. And we're going to Portland back to the Ocean Gateway, which is a really cool building. And what what it is is I take the best turbines and engineering logs of students, like the ones that do the best. So if they don't have a good engineering log that kind of shows their process. They don't get to go, even if their turbine's really good. So I kind of like have those criteria that you need both. Yeah. It's a full package because that's how you, we're going to get rated. And I'll probably bring maybe five teams. So that's yeah. like, you know, 15 to 20 kids at the most. And there's going to be four other schools or three other schools for sure. We have one at one time. <laughs> we haven't since, but we have the wind tunnel here. So we ha- I tell the nice. kids, you've got the advantage because right now we have the tunnel nice. here at the school. So they're testing in that right now. So we'll see. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Well, we'll yeah. have to keep us posted yeah. as far as how you do. Yeah. Um, and well, and it sounds like you're really, again, it's about that process where they have to have the log and the turbine. Right. And then when they go, they're able to see that yeah. from other kids. Right. So and they'll be awesome. interviewed. They'll be asked questions about, you know, why did you do this? And they have to you know, be able to answer that stuff. And why is wind energy, like, why do you do this project? What's, you know, what's it all about? So they kind of have to have a lot of knowledge. It's it's a lot. And the fact that they can test it out and see, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. If 
if you had to pick a favorite activity that you do, what would your favorite activity be? I know it's t- that's yeah, a tough question. I, it's always a I tough really question. like some of the sixth grade challenges. They're really kind of fun to watch the kids. You can almost see them thinking and coming up with stuff. And I really like how they still work, they work pretty good together. Yeah. Like they're really good about it. Doesn't matter who you are. They just, they're able to work with different people, which is yeah. really kind of cool. I do like the wind challenge. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of steps. It's a lot of teaching and stuff but I just think it's really kind of a cool project and it's you know I think it's kind of relevant to climate change and all that yeah what are the challenges to teaching this that way like what what kind of challenges do you face in your classroom I think just kids wanting to jump ahead and they don't like one of I do give like a reflection at the end and a lot of it is like I wish you didn't have to teach so much we could just go it's like but you don't know how to do it like I'm not gonna just go let you use the bandsaw without me teaching you the proper safe way to do that I mean it's like really can I skip that I mean like I just well it goes back it goes back to the process right like they just want to do yeah we have to slow them down exactly yeah probably that but and I think also some kids have a hard time working in a group so that's a lot of effort to try to get them to like Hey, what you know? What can you do? I do give them. They do have roles, and each week they switch so that they all know kind of what they're responsible for. So that helps. Kind of, I did learn that one because it was before it was kind of like one person would take over. Now they all have roles, so they kind of know what they have to do, which I, like I think helps a lot. Yeah. Last question. Not all schools have a specific class for STEM mm-hmm. or STEAM, um, and they're teaching more um, integrate, like it's in classrooms. Yeah. It's in the science classroom, mm-hmm. or they're trying to do it within their team. What advice would you give to someone that's trying to do this type of teaching? They just have to make time for it. If they feel it's important, they're just going to have to, like, something's got to go, I think. And I think that's the hardest part for teachers to get on their rhythm, and it's hard for them to try something different. That's what happens. <laughs> All right, well, thank you. We're Again, we're here today with Sandy Bickford from Mount Ararat Middle School, and thank you for your time. Thank you, Nicole. Well, Nicole, I have to thank you for that interview. Uh, that was really great to hear from her. Uh, I, I know there was a lot of great points that were made in there that kind of got me thinking. Uh, specifically, I really liked hearing about the group work and the group aspect that she had to it, you know, um, and how she talked about defining roles in the group as that makes a big difference. Um, I really liked about the, the log piece of it. It wasn't just, you know, the the doing it and getting it done type piece it was you know giving it reflection and time to actually think about what was going on and putting it in the log and having be able to submit that at the end um and i can definitely relate to being the student in that classroom where i want to just dig into it and go and teacher has to be like no i should probably not let you just go uh work the bandsaw by yourself you'd probably need some training ahead of time let's think this through Absolutely. I I love that they have that opportunity to use those instruments, all kinds of different things. And the variety that she uses from sixth to eighth grade is amazing. I want to be a kid in her classroom. Um, and, and she builds each year. It's just, it's amazing. And the opportunities that those kids have is, is pretty cool. Yeah, right. And then just to build it up to an even bigger purpose, right? That's always something we've talked about, I feel like, uh, both last month and this month in our episodes, just having the authentic learning piece. And that really is authentic in many ways. Um, All right. So as we get going here, uh, this last section of this podcast, 
we're going to kind of leave people with some resources or project examples or even just some tips that we might have for you um, so that way you can bring it back to your own thinking your own classroom um, as a way to help get you started with steam learning so last time last month we had a, a much quicker rapid fire roundtable I'm thinking this is more of a a medium pace a lukewarm roundtable that we're going to participate in because we're going to have to explain at least a little bit about what we're talking about um, and not just fired it at you. All right, so let's get us started here. Nicole, why don't you go ahead and what kind of resource or tip or example do you have? I'm going to go with a tip. So I would say get students involved in the decision making and the thinking and all of that right off the bat and as much as you possibly can. It will pay off for purpose of engagement. Um, it will pay off if you're stuck. You can, you know, they have amazing ideas and it's it's just good to get them involved right from the beginning. Absolutely helps with the ownership. Yu Hong, what would you have? As for the resources, any students in America from 6th to 12th grades can participate in the contest. If you want to know more information, you can go to Samsung Soft Tomorrow website. After the big win, I began to integrate Samsung Soft Tomorrow into my classes, such as web development class, web animation class, and introduction to programming language class. I applied problem-based and project-based learning methods to actively engage my students in their projects. For example, in my introduction to programming language class, my students applied their programming language skills to create a website called We Care to fight against suicide. On the website, they embedded an online chat room and message apps. Their mission was to create a safe place for students who suffer from mental illness to tell their stories, share their struggles, and get help. Our team won the first place again in Maine and earned our school another $20,000 Samsung technology. I also included my 8th grade students to participate in the contest. My middle school students always surprised me with their creative ideas. For example, one of their projects was to create an underwater robot to harvest seaweed as an alternative food source to fight against hunger in Maine. Their project not only earned them one of the five state finalists' title, but it also drew media attention. WCSH6 reported my students' creative project on their 207 program. Awesome. That is a great example. Thank you for that one. Uh, for me, I'm going with the resource again. Uh, I really like the 3D printing aspect to be able to bring that into classrooms. I think, to me, in my, in my mind, it's a little bit of a, a cop-out kind of because it, it, it seems somewhat of an easy integration, even though 3D printing may seem like it's it's this monumental thing to have to try to learn to integrate. Um, I feel like it, it hits that STEAM learning and the iteration process pretty quickly, um, pretty easily, where you have students build and create. You know, you've got the art aspect online. You've got the building piece. You might have the prototyping iteration phase in there as well. Um, I really like that part of it, too. All right, Nicole, second round here. 
Absolutely. I'm going to go with another tip and we've kind of hit on this a little bit and I think it it fits for anything that you're doing that's new to you is just start small and build on it. And what I really like to do is build on it throughout the year and then have kind of a bigger project at the end of the year because your kids can handle it and it's nice to just step back and be like you guys got this and, you know, let them make the choices. So again, start small and build on each aspect. Yeah, that is kind of cool at the end when you, you can just, you know, end of the year, students who kind of want to do their thing, you want to be able to step back and just watch them, you know, apply their learning. Like I think that that could be a great piece to build up to. Yu Hong, do you have one more piece there? Example or resource? Students enjoyed the whole process, like identify issues, research, find solutions, design, build, troubleshoot, collaborate, and communicate. Those projects have a positive impact on my students' learning. They have improved their critical thinking and problem-solving skills. They have developed their communication and collaboration skills when they worked with teachers, parents, professionals, and their peers. The projects have also built their confidence when students made a good decision and found the most effective way to solve a problem, they saw their own value. Therefore, I think Samsung Solve for Tomorrow is an effective way to build students' STEAM knowledge and skills. Absolutely. I think it, it hits on a variety of ways for students. This has kind of been an amazing project to hear about. So thank you for sharing all that. Um, John Spencer does some great things with that design thinking, and we'll post some stuff in the uh, show notes for that. He's got a great process and kind of launching kids off in that direction. So that's a, a good resource to go along with what Yu Hong was talking about as far as is the thinking and being a part of the process. Thank you for that. Um, my final piece is a resource again here that I'm going to mention. Um, and it's just a specific resource, but it also is kind of the, the idea of these types of resources out there. I really like what, honestly, what NASA.gov has. They have a whole educational outreach program, um, and they have a lot of it listed on their sites. And it's a lot about engagement at different levels um, for education, K-12, higher ed, minority, informal, etc. A lot of hands-on applicable experiences. And they have a really great educational outreach program that you can reach out to them and have you know, experts draw into your classroom in a variety of ways. Um, so, you know, keep that in mind too, like other businesses that might be around. If you're looking for an authentic audience, or you're looking for problems that they can help solve um, with the STEAM learning, what businesses might be around in your community that you can contact with and bring in experts and have them think about, bring these problems or these, these issues to students so the students can think about it um, you know, and that they may address it their own way, the students, whatever level they're at, but at least it gets them thinking in that way um, and gives them that authentic piece. As we get to the end of this episode, there was just one more tip that came to mind that I really wanted to make sure I put out there for you. And that is that I hope that this has got your gears going about how to incorporate at least some STEAM learning elements into your classroom and that you reach out to a colleague that teaches a similar age group and you guys can figure out a way to help incorporate cross-curricular content into both of your classes. I've always wanted to reach out to the health teacher in my school about a nutrition unit that he does 
where I can help talk about ratios and proportions between the nutrients and the proteins and the carbs, and he can talk about the healthy side of them and then end up cooking them in the end. It'd be a great experience. So anyways, take that, run with it, talk to others, learn how to build it up in your classroom. All right, well, before we completely wrap up now, we do have an exciting announcement for you, plus some information about some upcoming events across the state. However, before we get to that, just quickly, a reminder that this podcast was produced by the MLTI 2.0 team, which is part of the main Department of Education. And if you would like to contact us, or be willing to share your own experiences on our podcast, please email us at doe-mlti2.0 at main.gov. So, for the announcement piece, the giveaway that we had last month during our gamification series, we had set up for a raffle for a breakout EDU kit. We have actually decided to give away two breakout EDU kits just to celebrate the fact that we're kicking off this podcast and that was the first month of it. So we would like to congratulate both winners. One is Megan from the Augusta Schools, and the other is Jason from Mount Ararat Middle School. Congratulations to you both. Thank you for listening and filling out the form. We will be in contact shortly in order to figure out how to deliver your kits to you. We will be doing another giveaway this month for another Breakout EDU kit. To put your name in for that, you need to find the form that is in the show notes for this episode. Once you do access it and enter your information, you will be eligible for the drawing of another Breakout EDU kit, and we will arrange getting it to you should you be chosen. Other announcements. Upcoming events are across the state. EdCamp 207 is happening again this year. It's going to be held at Moranacook Middle School on March 11th. It was originally scheduled to be in Turner, but it has been changed to Moranacook now. Additionally, there is the virtual Penobscot River Educational Partnership, or PREP, conference happening March 17th. And then finally, the MLTI ambassadors are on the road in the next few weeks. We have some representatives heading to schools at Carabec on March 8th and Westbrook on March 17th to conduct professional development for staff at those schools. Also, as a heads up, the student conference planning is in full force at this point, so make sure you're on the lookout for information coming about that. They'll be happening in May, one at the Gorham campus for USM, one virtually, and then one at the UMO campus. That wraps up both episodes this month about STEAM learning. Please continue to join us next month as we have a hot topic to share with you, that of digital citizenship. So much goes into that that honestly, I think we'll have a tough time putting it into two episodes. But don't forget, if you have something to contribute, please reach out to us. We would love to hear your experiences and your take on these things. All right, well, I've got to tell my science nerd people about this. I had a dream last night that I weighed less than a thousandth of a gram. I was like, OMG. Class dismissed. <laughs> <laughs>